humans. Welcome to our podcast, Deconstruct. My name is Lauren. And I'm Adam. On this podcast, we want to help start or continue conversations about the beautiful and messy parts of life. Although we both had a conservative upbringing, we've since grown out of a lot of our traditional ways of thinking. We're learning to deconstruct the religious lenses we once saw the world through, breaking down topics like purity culture, racism, and the patriarchy, while demystifying things like feminism, equality, and love. Stepping away from our evangelical church background, all the while leaning into God and moving forward in our faith. We'd love to hear your story. You can find us on Instagram at deconstruct.pod. Now, on to the episode. And welcome back to the podcast. Today we have God is Gray, aka Brenda Davies. She is the author of On Her Knees and the creator of God is Gray, where she advocates for sex positive, LGBTQ plus affirming, science believing faith. So, Brenda, welcome to the podcast. Hello, hello, hello. <laughs> So hello, oh. beautiful people. <laughs> that was an accident, but you know what? It works. <laughs> I love it. Um, it's just what I hear. Anytime I think about you, Brenda, it's always in, in my mind. Hello, beautiful people. <laughs> and your little outros now to like, subscribe, donate to my Patreon. <laughs> it's so cute. It's just like what I what I hear in my head. Oh my gosh, I love it. <laughs> but hey, at least I, I hear the actions, you know. I know I'm supposed to like and subscribe to, to you and donate if I can. So <laughs> Yeah, do all of that, please. <laughs> There's something to the consistency. Like being able to show up and know exactly what to expect to kind of ease you into the things that you're going to talk about is always nice. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. So today um, is actually International Women's Day. So happy Women's Day to you. Thank you so much. Happy yeah. Women's Day to you. Thank you. Uh, we're actually talking to you and then one other uh, lady today. So I was like, well, this is this is convenient because we've just talked yeah. to a bunch of men lately, I feel like. We have, so, which is uncommon for us just because we tend to just get in conversations with, with more women. Yeah. So I was like, oh, yeah, let's get it back to the regular, you know. Old, <laughs> Bring old it back ways. to the classics. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Anyway, it being... International Women's Day, um, there's always something I am kind of thinking about and kind of um, like I'll either I'll post about a certain topic topic about women or I'll just be specifically passionate about a certain um, area uh, within women's rights. Um, just looking back on my posts over throughout the years. And yeah, I was just like thinking about women this year and the women in my life and um I'm just, I'm curious if there's anything for you this year that stands out to you that, you know, you're really excited about or passionate about or upset about even. I mean, it can be any of uh, any Oh my of goodness. <laughs> uh, for like, you know, Women's Day today, is there something like on your mind? It doesn't have to be intense. Um, it could just be anything that kind of rolls off the tongue. Hmm. You know, I... um I feel like the, we've been programmed to really like, we're not allowed to call God she, and we have to always use masculine pronouns. And um, even with my book that's coming out, I have this passage where I talk about how in the Bible, these biblical figures that are men get to be presented as flawed, like David and Solomon mm. and Moses and all these people are flawed. Mm. Jezebel and Eve are evil. Oh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. And it's always like that. It's like Eve is, you know, blamed for the fall of the world and she's the reason and, and she's evil and she had evil motivations. Meanwhile, we've got David out there like killing people and he is flawed and he's a man of God and he's trying his best. And it's just like, you know, really pulling back the curtain and and getting more comfortable and assimilated to the idea that we are living in a patriarchal society and what that actually means has been a process because I was taught and conditioned to be programmed to um, 
battle those kinds of ideas. Like I was conditioned to have a really strong adverse reaction if someone called God she. I was told Mm, that would be disrespectful. Um, I was told it would be disrespectful to even, you know, see see Eva's flaw or to look at the character of Jezebel and wonder about the nuance of her life and what had actually happened in that story. And to even process the fact that we're given all these stories through a male lens and how it's not an accident that the Bible is full of these stories that are all written by men and that, you know, there's supposedly stories written by Mary Magdalene that were discluded from the Bible. And you have to ask yourself why, you know? So I think it's just been interesting. Like anyone that's listening to me that feels triggered by any of these notions, it's like, give yourself some grace and space to realize that this is a part of our programming. And we were programmed this way by our patriarchal society. And even patriarchy, that word has been presented as this like, you know, of the world, it liberal, you know, all of those, you know, trigger <laughs> things. But it's like, you know, these statements are just true. There's matriarchal societies, there's patriarchal societies. And, you know, if you just look at the history of ours, yes, we're built on a patriarchy. Women didn't get the vote until the freaking 1800s, which is not that long ago, women in the Bible were literally property of their husbands. When we talk about biblical marriage, we're not talking about uh, enthusiastic consent. We're talking about teenagers getting given to these powerful and rich men when they're, you know, as soon as they get their period or whatever. So it's just like giving yourself permission to look at this and then realizing that when our society is in this massive imbalance, which is, you know, any spiritual teacher uh, worth their salt to me has been acknowledging that a gigantic uh, problem that we're in, the reason that our earth is so out of balance, the reason that, you know, universal healthcare isn't a thing and capitalism has overtaken us and is destroying people's livelihood and lives is because of this like very masculine energy that has been output for thousands of years of like conquer, conquer, destroy, kill, take over, you know, all of those things. And I think, I believe, I know that we're balancing and we're swinging back into the feminine and you Mm -hmm. see it with all of these women rising up, whether it be Beth Moore, whether it be Lauren, you and I, like, and everyone in between, it's like, there's all of a sudden this unveiling and this 2020 vision of, wait, we need to listen to the women. We need to listen to the marginalized people in the society, which are women of all colors and, you know, and just balance back and figure out how to get back to our center. Um, because I really believe just like sexuality is on a scale, I also believe that gender is on a scale, that you can move between your masculine energy and your feminine energy. And yes. we're all made in God's image. You know, even the Bible says there's no male nor female. Yeah. So <laughs> by it, that to me is saying like, we're all made in God's image. In Genesis, God is talking about masculine and feminine energy, both pronouns are in there in the original Greek and Hebrew, but they were washed by our patriarchal society into he, he, he. Right. But the beginning of the universe was made just like a baby is made with masculine and feminine energy in unison. So I, I know that we all have that inside of us and yeah. So those are my thoughts for (laughs) women's day. (laughs) I love it. I love it. And I love that you kind of began with, you know, expressing and seeing God, um, as, as she, or even using those pronouns. Um, cause that's something that, that was one of the first, I I call it a practice because it wasn't natural for me to call God she. So I intentionally, um, in the beginning of more my deconstruction, um, one of my goals was to, take God out of the box. I had put God in forever for all my life. And Mm. my practice was to call God she. And so I would speak of her and I speak of she. um, And it it was difficult. And I I don't, I can't say I ever, um, I ever got into a habit of calling God she. More so I, I got into the habit of calling God other names, whether it was energy, light, spirit, you know, there's just a lot of other names that I, that I ended up, um, kind of putting in place because I, I it almost 
it almost erased pronouns for me for God in a right. way, um, which is interesting. As soon as st- I started calling God she, I was like, oh, wait. God, God is anything in she? particular. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> and uh, yeah. I started, and then from there, I, I went into, you know, my own reconstruction as a lot, you you know, I think a lot of my um getting into my heritage. And so I, I started connecting with my ancestors and then God kind of just became in my mind, my ancestors and my um, heritage. So God kind of turned into a they. Well, it's interesting because like all of these things that you're talking about, like a lot of your Native American heritage mm-hmm. was matriarchal and it was, yeah. it mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. a lot more spiritual mm-hmm. than it was religious practice. Yeah. And, and, and you have to think about what, how, how do you go from, from a God that is supposedly inherently masculine because the Bible says so to calling God a, a, a she, a woman, is mm-hmm. disrespectful. Yeah. Because, I mean, that that puts entirely the disrespect on, on the female gender, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. And so then now you're living in this patriarchal society that not only isn't egalitarian in its leadership, but also believes women to be something that is basically disrespectful, mm. inherently sinful, and mm-hmm. and something that's meant to lead men astray from things. So it's and then and then yeah. whenever you talk about spirituality in the church, is when is when people start saying that you're riding down the slippery slope and you're headed toward evil, even though most matriarchal spiritual practices or most spiritual pa- practices are matriarchal mm. Yeah. or feminine, yeah, totally, and energy. Yeah, I would. Well, right. I mean, when you're describing God as love. That's yeah. that's not the that's not the masculine energy that that they portray God to be as this conqueror and destroyer and and yeah. just and whatever whatever else that is. Yeah. Yeah, and Lauren what you were saying about uh referring to God as they it was really funny because I've had so many awakenings, you know, I'll use the peel back the curtain analogy again. It's just like when you start to allow yourself to ask questions and you feel that freedom and you know that God is welcoming you into that space where questions are permitted, which Mm. was very like anti-evangelical. Like I was never allowed to ask questions in that space. And when I realized I was permitted, it's been such a wonderful, beautiful adventure. And I have this incredible audience of so many like Gen Zers. And (laughs) when they started like they started signing all of their emails, like she, her, he, him, and then they, them. Um, I was funny because I was talking to girlfriend in private because I was like, I'm not going to share this, but I think Gen Z has lost a damn mind. I'm not calling these people they, them. Like, this is too much (laughs) for me. Like, what do you mean non-binary? This is so dumb. And, um, but I also knew to tuck that away in my heart because I was just like, this is your problem, not their problem. Like, you just have to figure out what do they mean when they're saying this? Why, why are they identifying as non-binary? or they, them. And I had the most annoying revelation. And I say it's annoying (laughs) because every time that I'm really bucking a concept and then God like slaps me across the face, like with his grace, I'm just like, oh, I hate that I was wrong about this. But it just like hit me like a ton of bricks. One day I was like, just in prayer, like probably in my car or something. And I was like, I got chills all over my body. And I was like, oh no, God is they, like God is (laughs) non-binary. And then I was like, when these kids, not that they're that young, but some of them are, but I'm like, when these kids are saying I'm non-binary, like, are they not just even being more reflective of God? Like, they're just saying like, what do you mean by he, she, what does that mean for my life? What does that mean? I'm supposed to conduct myself in X, Y, Z ways. Like, why do I need this identifier? And then I realized God in our English language Bible identifies as he, but in the original, it's a they. (laughs) Yep. Yep. I know. Well, it's interesting because I, you know, when I was going through my reconstruction of, you know, who God is and what I believe. Um, Originally, it was just I was connected with my ancestors. So when I would talk about, you know, I I heard them speaking to me, you know, I was seriously talking about my ancestors. I didn't, um, I wasn't, because you you have a mind's eye, right? You think you you may or may not know that you kind of picture a god or gods or something if you've especially grown up in Christian culture. And, you know, when I was first speaking of they, I truly was thinking of 
my ancestors, brown people in, in mm-hmm. regalia. I was thinking of they, um, thinking of them. And then as I just continued to, you know, I would speak out loud to Adam, you know, I would say they're, they're whispering this, you know, they're uh, affirming me in this and they're telling me this, they're, they're little jokesters. I would like talk about them. Um, and then as I just kind of have progressed and I've evolved in my spirituality and my spiritual journey, um, it's just been more natural for me to just say that in terms of of God because it's more of a the energy. Um, and I've learned more and I've heard more stories like what, you know, you just said your story about how God was like, guess what? I'm a they. <laughs> yeah. um, and it's just cool because then you you look at like the original and you're like, oh my gosh, it it makes sense. It's it's interesting because I there are times that I wouldn't consider myself to always hear from God. Um, but it's interesting the times that I feel like I have, and it's, it's usually almost always backed up by science. It's backed up by history, not science, but it's backed up by history of like the Bible. Oh, this like originated somewhere before I even came up with this idea, which is really affirming. Um, and yeah, I don't know. And it's been, it's been a journey for me. Um, and it's been a journey for Adam. We've been on, you know, deconstruct yes, podcast now for like uh, for a little while. I just while. heard Adams. He's like, yeah. Yeah. Yep. He's like deep relief. Yeah. Um, but that being said, I mean, so have you. And you've kind of been um, one of the OG people to speak out about your deconstruction. If I don't even know if that's what you call it, but um, just your spiritual journey and being very open and, and you know, helping guide other people. Um, and you've essentially created a brand around your journey. And and people hate that word brand, but that's what it is. I mean, you have a book coming out. You understand promotion. You understand getting the word out. Um, and you know that it's it things need to be branded, marketed. And so I kind of wanted to ask you how that's affected you or if it's not affected you in your own spiritual journey now that God is gray is so much tied to who you are as Brenda. Um, what has that, has there been a time where you just needed to, uh, needed a break and you're like, I'm just a human. I don't want to deal with spirituality. I'm just, maybe I'm over this. And then you second guess everything. You're like, ah, I'm back. I'm back. It's fine. I can make another YouTube video. <laughs> like, have you had those ups and downs? What that's, what has that been like for you? Um, I love this question. Um, I, one thing I'd love to say first about like the concept of brand is that, um, women have been very conditioned to not speak to each other about money Mm. and, and stuff like that. And like, I, my hugest, I feel like obstacle in life has been money because women will talk about emotions till the cows come home, but like, we don't know how much money each other make and stuff like that. And me and my friends have been trying to change that. And in many ways I've been like leading that charge because I'm just like asking questions. Like if I have a friend that's bought a house, I used to be like, Oh, it's it's impolite. And now I walk in and I'm like, okay, how, how did you buy this house? Like how much did you put down? Like what happened? Because I'm just like, I gotta, I keep hearing Cardi, like I got a baby. I need some money. Like what is happening? (laughs) I'm just like, in my boss mode now, like, just like, I'm not going to not talk about this because I don't know how the hell to buy a house. No one's ever talked to me about this. I've always been like conditioned to feel like I'm a woman, a man will buy me a house one day, but I don't have that happening for me. So someone tell me how to buy a house. And a part of that is like leaning into what you've been given. I noticed at the very beginning of God is Grey, a lot of people that were kind of like hating on me were commenting and is like, oh, well, if you were so spiritual, why are you monetizing and da 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 And I'm just mm. like, I don't know. Why is your pastor driving a Lamborghini? Like, go talk to him. You know, I'm <laughs> just like, I'm yes. just trying to make something of myself. And we have every right in the world to see money as the resource that it is. And I've been working on it a lot because like I said, it's been really difficult. Like I always have exactly enough money or not enough money every single Mm, month. And it's exhausting. So I just keep like, I've just been like meditating and praying on the idea of like money is an ever renewable resource. Like I was looking at this fruit basket on my, in my kitchen and I was like, 
I don't know how, but for some reason there's always fruit in this basket. And I'm trying to see my bank account the same way and, yeah. and just notice like God's provision in that. And a huge part of that is like leaning into the fact that what you do in life and what you invite and what you work on. And by the way, what I work my ass off on like for hours and hours and hours is monetizable. And, and I deserve that resource coming into my life because of what I'm outputting to the world, you know? And I don't want, I say that to boost myself every day, but, um, I say that again on international women's day to encourage women, like don't feel shame about, your profession. It can be your passion. You can be like, I have an interview with mama, Dr. Jones coming out today and she is such a passionate, compassionate OBGYN, but you know, she's, she's making money and she deserves to, and needs to be like, you want her to just be like, Oh no, don't pay me money. Cause this is my passion. We should right. never be thinking that way. You know? Yeah. yeah. Well, that was the same um, thing that happened with you when you were doing music in the Christian world was, oh, it, was yeah. it was constantly, why like why are we charging to be at a People, festival or why are you charging for merch you should be giving away your cds wow. if it's your ministry they literally did wow. though it that's it what's crazy is like people literally <clears throat> talked to my face and asked me why i was like charging for my t-shirt and i brenda because this is me this is who i am <laughs> i i said because i need to eat dinner tonight and i would Seriously. and i would literally tell them that did you yeah, you were around course. when i said that too a group of kids, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, so, yeah. And, and well, it's actually, you know, women, it's a lot of, um, it's a, well, it's adults and they were, they would have kids. They're like, well, can they just like have, have that? They would say about their like, oh my child. Gosh. They're like, I mean, it's just a t-shirt or it's just a hat. I'm like, yeah, well then if it's just that, then just pay me 15 bucks for that t-shirt. <laughs> it's a cheap one anyway. Um, and yeah, that's, yeah, that's very true. I, I often like forget about those those times maybe I'm just like tucking it away but yeah you're right it's it is that weird thing that women aren't allowed to talk about money I actually talked to my friend early this morning I literally woke up and she had like I looked at my phone and my friend texted me an article actually I'll send it to you because it's very thought-provoking I don't know if I agree entirely with the article but um it was very interesting it was talking about women um on Instagram kind of uh having this huge following and then asking for money and all this stuff. And I I, I thought it it was very thought provoking, but anyway, our conversation between me and my friend, you know, um, one of the things that came up was, you know, I'm always going to advocate for women making monies, which is interesting because I didn't think that today I'd be talking about this twice. Um, (laughs) and and I, cause that it never comes up like ever. This never comes up for me. Um, and, I don't, I don't know. I've never heard another conversation really about women talking about money. Um, so I guess I found my theme for this year's Women's Day. Um, and I think, yeah, it's very like no one you were talking about. You don't no one taught you how to like buy a house um, and and that it's OK to uh, talk about how much money you, that you're making. And then it got me thinking like, you know, different um business podcasts or money-making podcasts and things like that. And I, I immediately thought of like uh, the podcast that I've seen when I go searching and it's like the, usually two men talking to each other about, you know, business and success and finances and all that. I'm like, yeah, why, why isn't there more talk with women, not about women, but like women speaking about money? Well, you know, know, it's just like, it's one of those things where just like Brenda was saying earlier, I, I think people, first of all, to address the whole like you shouldn't be earning money for the things that you're passionate about. You don't see that as often with, I mean, I was on the road with so many artists that, that were yeah. led by men mm-hmm. and nev- not once did I hear that question. Bands, and it's yeah. because I think I think there's still something and I don't know if this is in the conservative Christian headspace or where it comes from, but just that women women don't need money so they have these passion projects to make shoe money is like this <laughs> right, this like yeah. shoe money it's like this constant thought that i think people just it's don't i don't know rent, that they even baby. know that they're holding on to right but i know i'm like i wish i could afford nice shoes <laughs> <laughs> but it's like it's like i think people are still holding on to this mm-hmm. idea and i and and it all does stem back to this idea that that we're a culture that has been primarily based in conservative patriarchal Christianity. 
Yeah. And you know, what's really trippy too. I, um, I was talking to a friend about the history of minimum wage because that was like a huge thing. And women, you know, conservatives will push back and be like, you don't deserve a living wage, which is Mm. basically what they're arguing against, which is crazy and so antithetical to Jesus. It's nuts. But then on top of that, they have the audacity to shame women for not being in the household and for like needing to have work right? or for shaming men for not being able to provide the way they need to. But the reason women had to go into the workforce is because inflation ended up increasing to such a degree Mm. that women were forced to go out in the world. So if conservative legislators had forever given people a living wage, more, you know, men or women, whoever wanted to stay home would have the ability to stay home. If we provided people with free education, like in every other first first world country, if we had healthcare that was just like out of our taxes instead of out of our pockets, if I had a nursery school option, you know, that would give so much more ability for people to actually live off of what they're making. But again, the capitalism in our society and the way it's created this massive imbalance of masculine energy, of greed, of all of these things has made it so everyone in like two households, both people do have to work. So I'm just like, don't tell me about the family falling apart and the women refusing to stay home and taking care of the kids when you're not willing to give people the resources to make that living possible. And then on top of that, you know, a lot of people have this whimsical idea about women in the fifties and how they were just living in bliss, like staying at home. And it's like, really, is that why there was so many suicides? Is that why so many women were addicted to quaaludes just to get through the day? Like, you know, there's, yeah, I really wish I knew who this was, but Dan Savage is one of my favorite sex educators. And he had an interview with this woman who did some exhaustive research on male sexuality. And at the end of all of this research, the conclusion in her book was men are like women and women are like men. Like we want the same things and everyone vacillates between being super horny or not horny at all. And, and people, it's the same thing. Like I am very career motivated and I have been since I was a little girl. Like I couldn't wait to get a job when I was like eight years old. And it's like, you're not going to burn that out of me and make me excited to stay at home. And yeah, and that doesn't mean I disrespect anyone that wants to do that. But also we don't have a society where that's usually even possible. And then that rises into like MGTOW and these like women or men's rights activists that are women because they're so frustrated thinking, oh, well, the reason our society is falling apart is because women are having abortions and men are refusing to provide. And it's like, no, it's really because we're not offering anyone a living wage where women aren't able to stay home anymore if they want to. And it's not women's liberation that's the problem. It's it's these capitalistic, greedy things. Like, And I also heard in a podcast, um, I feel like it was Oprah or something, but some spiritual leader was talking about how Jeff Bezos of Amazon is clearly living in so much scarcity. Like he must be mm. so afraid of scarcity and so unwilling to believe in the renewable resource of Mm. money and provision that he is embodying, you know, the highest level of greed imaginable. Yeah. And we're all suffering under it. And then, you know, you have Christians like supporting that kind of thing. My dad was like, well, he gives to charity. I'm like, yeah, to get tax write-offs, dad. Yeah. Like, I can't even believe we're arguing about right. this. No, for sure. Well, <laughs> and you see too, like when when he uh, split from his ex-wife and she, you know, is making still half of whatever his income was on alimony or whatever, uh, she's giving almost all of it away. Yeah. And then that's why people in the spiritual spaces are so invaluable because everyone just really needs to get a hold of like this, this concept of scarcity and, and start really like relishing in the truth, the biblical principle that everything is a renewable resource that, you know, all the leaves die and fall, but they come back in spring and everything in our life is supposed to be that way. Happy International Women's Day of my period right now. Like that is 
a moment of like fall when the leaves die and your body is like, okay, not now. And then, but that can spring into life. And then it is Mm. renewing constantly all the time. And I, I really believe everything in life is like that. I, I love, love, love. And, um, when Solomon writes, there's a season for everything. Mm. And he goes through these seasons because Christians are often programmed to like, believe that we have to appear happy all the time. And we have to constantly be projecting this idea of like, I'm in such gratitude and I'm in such joy that like, look at me and this is why you want Christ. And Mm. I really don't think it's about that at all. I think it's like the vulnerability, the bravery to believe in things that are difficult to like wrap your head around the bravery to peel back these curtains of these different concepts and anyone listening like if you vote republican or if you believe in capitalism like it's not even to poop on that but just to say like we'll just still do your due diligence and peel back the curtain because we're not always told things that are true and it's it's not because there's like nefarious people or organizations i feel like we often paint things and we'll be like there's this evil nefarious thing going on in Hollywood where everyone's out to kill you. And there's, you know, the same thing with like wall street or the Capitol building or something. And then you see these people and you're like, no, they're just people. And they have the same polarities of light and darkness that you do in a church building. You have desperation, you have sadness, you have fear, you have grief, you have joy, you have beautiful life moments. You have people living in, in prosperity and everything in between. And it doesn't matter what building you are or what career you're in. All of those types of people exist in all of those spaces, which again is why church has become in so many ways so abusive and toxic because it was built on these systems that really allowed for this unquestioned power. And I don't, yeah. I know that no, no power should go unquestioned, including God. God yeah. welcomes us to question his power as well, or yeah. their power as well. <laughs> well, I know for us, like when we were, when we were doing music and we were touring and all of that stuff, our, our success and, and financially and all of that was, was tied into our spirituality. And that was a hard place to be in all the time mm. because mm. In, a, in a lot of ways, it felt like we were meant to be professional Christians. Christians that like mm-hmm. if you were if you presented Christian in air quotes well enough then your your sales would go up you maybe your your song would chart maybe your merch would sell and and that was always something that was very difficult at least for me when I was out on the road that that I I felt like I was in this place of monetizing my faith mm. and mm. and I think that can be something that's challenging in the in church spaces as well as in spaces like we were operating because when you're put in a church as a pastor and the, the more, at least a lot of the conservative Christians that I knew, the more you stepped on their toes, the more that they liked the service, the more that they liked the service, the more they tithed because they wanted to pay back into the, into the mission and the church and the, and the prosperity or whatever that they, that they believed in. (laughs) And so how do you not then tie your journey of your spirituality to trying to monetize and then you get into these 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 regressive systems where now all basically all you're trying to do is step on toes and all you're trying to do is push the envelope in these spaces to get people to feel more challenged and 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 give more to your church and so i know we're not in those spaces but how and and i know it's not your your primary thing either but how do you how do you hold both of those things separately where some of your spirituality is tied to some of your income or, or just your brand that we were talking about earlier? I am in such an advantageous position, I think, because I didn't enter this space with the expectation that I would behave like an evangelical. And I think that these systems and, and the belief, like you were just saying, I actually pulled this up. Like, can I curse on here for a second? Yeah, yeah. go for it. <laughs> Let it loose. I was just, something I wrote in my book um, was an implied rule at church was that we look happy all the time. Like hot damn, no matter what's happening in your life, you're so fucking happy. You could just keel over and die from the bliss. 
when the worship team commanded, we raise them up and praise the Lord. It was our duty to shoot up our hands and shout hallelujah. This wasn't meant to encourage insincerity, though it did, but to show the present non-believers how amazing God is, mm-hmm. how happy God makes us. Mm-hmm. We couldn't imagine a powerful church being a place where people showed their true colors, their perversity, or depression. One could lay one could lay one soul bare some other day. Sundays were for outreach. Jeez. Wow. <laughs> Everyone get her so, book at all. It's that amazing. <laughs> yeah, oh but gosh. I just like, I, that was very cathartic to read that or write that because, mm. you know, Adam, like you're saying, and Lauren, obviously you too, you entered the space where that was, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. Is that not how you felt about the art that you were outputting? I mean, constantly. It was like you swell yeah. the symbols just the right way and you get enough salvations in a, in one show and, and they're coming up to the booth. Mm -hmm. so it's interesting because the way I've always verbalized it is honestly it's it's kind of been the opposite for me yes the the concept is the same so it's like God it's showing an an aspect of who God this God is and it's like it's a selling point of like look how you know look how happy we are we could just like keel over and die of happiness that that unfortunately was not my, my experience was more of like, look how, look how like unworthy I am and look how big this God is. And so it was more of like, it was more of the tears and the brokenness of self. It's like, look at how, look at how, um, broken this world is, but then look at God. So it's like, I, yes, the concept is the same for me, but I think in, in especially in CCM towards the end, it was more of like, uh, cause our manager had heard of me talking about anxiety in one interview. And then I was forced to always talk about it because then he was like, that's the selling point. That's the selling point. That's always what's going to get people. I'm like, well, I don't deal with anxiety anymore. Like I don't want to talk about it anymore. That was a really dark time in my life. I don't want to pretend I'm still there, but I was mm. forced to, um, because I needed to talk about how good God was <laughs> and how like, yeah horrible my life was in comparison. (laughs) Um, And so that's why a lot of the times um, you hear me talking about how I used to believe that martyrdom was closest to holiness. And then, you know, Mm. through this process, I've learned that wholeness is closest to holiness. And so like that happiness thing, I guess it is the same. Just my experience was different. Like I would have loved to be sold the concept or the idea that God brought happiness. (laughs) But like, instead more, it was like, you have to, like, there has to be a thorn in your side. I was very Paul driven theology. Um, like Paul was like (laughs) basically better than Jesus. They would have never said that, but basically Paul was better than Jesus. Um, and like the thorn in the side and or the thorn in the flesh or whatever. Um, I always had to have something wrong with me and something, my life had to be a little incomplete just so God could be the completer. Um, Mm. so yeah, I mean, yes, the, I, I definitely agree, but just the, I feel like it just went around a different way for me. Yeah. It kind of sounds like the other side of the same coin because it's, it's still leading to the same place. They're just like, God is the answer in this very specific way. Yeah. But and and how exhausting, Lauren. I'm so sorry. Like it would, uh, it would just be so exhausting to have to like beg for that every week and show people you begging for that. That's well, yeah. I mean, uh, it, it's, <clears throat> I mean, I'm I'm freed from it now, but I it's just like I get to look I get to look back on those times and just I just made myself so unhappy, and that and then I you know it, it even shows up in when I almost got married before. You know, um, I think, I think you knew that, but I was engaged. Yeah. yeah and I called that off. Um, and then my life changed forever. But like, I was going to marry this guy because I was pretty much like just only okay, happy. Um, I was pretty much not happy at all though. Um, and I was told marriage was hard and really rough and you learned so much about yourself and it's the hardest thing you'll ever do and blah, blah, blah. So, (laughs) so I was like, well, I guess I'm, I guess I'm prepared for it because me and this guy hardly get along. We're not really attracted to each other. And I guess I'm ready. Like, I guess this is it. Like I've prepared myself. This is the thorn in my flesh. I'm ready to go to bring God glory. Um, and you know, then I, and ended up calling it off, whatever, whatever. Fell in love with Adam and that everybody knows the story. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so happy. God, if 
being this happy is wrong, then I'm happy being wrong. So then God was oh like, Oh my gosh. No, I want you to be happy. So I then I chased that and now that's literally the the light of my life is just chasing happiness. Um, but real happiness, not not the fake empty promise happiness. Like the real stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Amen. That's so funny. All of those, yeah. I love listening. I love to hate and listen to those sermons. All the wives are like marriage. Oh my gosh. It's so hard. And they always, they sell you too. Like they'll tell the youth group, you're going to live happily ever after and have a million orgasms with your super (laughs) hot wife. who's so super hot. And she's the hottest. And then they'll go to the women's conference and be like, geez, ladies, men want too much sex, huh? Like ask them to do the dishes and maybe you'll get turned on. And you're like, okay, so am I having a million orgasms or am I going to be miserable? Like what, which one is it? Because you're selling two different stories. <laughs> Absolutely. And I wanted the million orgasms. So that's what I opted out Amen. For. Yeah. And then they don't even teach women or men about pleasure or women's right to pleasure or ladies, I can't say this enough. God made the clitoris for no other purpose except for female pleasure. So that means you have God's stamp of approval to go after pleasure. Nothing was a mistake. There's nothing made a mistake about you. So clearly God knew what they were doing when they made the clitoris. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) Like if you need, if you need more of a symbol that that's important to God, like, I don't know what else you need that you have that. (laughs) All hail the Holy clitoris. Um, (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I love that. I actually, I recently posted about that. Um, somebody had messaged me saying that they were still, you know, struggling. They wanted to to self pleasure is the words they used, and um, and still were struggling. And so, yeah, I I love pointing out the fact that um, God designed the body to experience pleasure. And um, yeah, actually, speaking of like my messages and things that people ask, uh, one of my sessions I was doing the other day, uh, somebody had brought up had brought you up and um, was asking what it was like for you to still consider yourself. And I know this is kind of a big question, but they were asking, they're like, what is the difference? You know, you know, Brenda, God is gray. She considers herself to be Christian still, but, and I agree with everything she says, but somehow I don't identify as Christian. What makes her a Christian? So like, what is, if you had some check, lists or something that you could qualify as Christian, what, what would those things be? Um, well, it's Jesus. Yeah. And it's really that simple to me. And, you know, that's the thing that I'll get like attacked on the most. And yeah, I was like, I don't want to say attacked, but I mean, it really is like people get really, really upset when I'm just like, I love Jesus, but like, that really is the qualifier. And but also, what's wrong with that? Like, why, why is that a problem? Why do people have a problem with you saying that? Like on what people, side, like the conservative side or like on the, like, yeah, like conservative voices. When I, when I hear YouTube videos or podcasts, like talking about me in a negative light, they'll be like, she's only focused on love and she centers her whole faith on feelings and she's not willing to lay down her life and, you know, take up her cross And it's really funny because I'm like, well, in the, and I keep using evangelical because that's what I grew up in. So I'm not just trying to hate on evangelicals. I know there's a lot of different faith practices that lead to these same conclusions. Like Baptist, for example, is very similar. Um, Mormon obviously has a lot of similarities too. And the anxieties were given, but like the narrative we've been given, which theologically is not an accurate narrative is like taking up your cross means going against who you are fundamentally as a woman, no matter what you want in your life, because you need to fit into the specific 1950s gender script. Mm. Um, Even though the Bible has all of these badass, ridiculous women that did not fit into a 1950s June Cleaver gender script whatsoever. But okay, fine. Tell me that's what a Christian woman is. And, um, or they'll say you have to take up your cross because taking up your cross means that you're celibate until marriage. You're never gay. You never think anything gay. Don't be gay in any way. Um, and then, uh, I guess the fact that I'm pro-choice definitely calls it into question. So they, 
they really will say that taking up your cross means to repress all of these sexual things about yourself and then also repress who you are mm. according wow. to your gender. Yeah. So, you know, don't be a sweethearted guy that like just wants to come home and listen to music and like cry every once in a while. That's not you. You need to be a provider. You need to take up your cross and be a man. Right. And you need to take up your cross and be a woman. And that means submitting to your husband and letting him make the decisions and, you know, all of that stuff. So if that is what you believe a Christian is, then of course you're not going to look at me and see a Christian. Right. Like it doesn't perplex me when people are like, you're not a Christian. I'm like, yeah, if, if God commands or if Jesus needs me to be like, a super straight, not sexually active, submissive woman, then you're right. I'm not a Christian. Yeah. <laughs> but Jesus never said any of that nope. at all. Jesus was bankrolled by a woman. He was a huge advocate for women. Even when he took, brought up the f- point of not divorcing a woman, that was because women would be cast out in the streets. They were actual property of men. So when men would forfeit that property willy-nilly, the woman could die. She could live impoverished. She could lose everything. She could be killed. Like, Right. So even even that wasn't just like, don't forget, like keep cooking dinner and submit and don't get divorced. It's like Jesus was like, don't cast these women in the streets because they have no rights. Like mm. my, I interviewed my grandmother who's in her 80s. Um, I love that episode if anyone wants to check it out. <laughs> it's really and good. Um, yeah, she is the best. And she, she actually texted me this morning and was like, happy Women's Day. Aww. But um yeah, she is amazing. But her, she was in a wildly abusive situation with my grandfather and he was cheating on her constantly and hitting her. She had three children. She actually was date raped in her car um, the first time they ever got together. Sorry, I didn't do a trigger warning there. But um, yeah, so... But And it was because of all these 1950s things that she was told. It was like, well, you were in his car. You were in this vulnerable mm. position. And, wow. and, you know, and now that it's happened, well, I guess you're supposed to stay with him. And all of these like mental gymnastics that wow. she was forced into in that gender script in that era. And then when he like threw her down a flight of stairs and she was worried that he was actually going to kill her and she left him, she went to get a credit card. She went to get an apartment and everyone was like, well, you need your husband to sign off on that. She had no rights as a woman. So Jesus is talking in the Bible about thousands of years ago, don't divorce a woman because she'll be cast out. But we're talking about the 1950s and 60s. My grandmother was cast out and she couldn't find her own way either. She basically had to live in poverty until she was able to find a man to co-sign on an apartment with her. So you're saying that Jesus is pretty pretty progressive. (laughs) (laughs) One trillion bazillion percent. And he never said, also too... (laughs) I, it drives me crazy when I remember the story of Mary and Martha. I heard that story so many times. For anyone who's not familiar, there's a story where Jesus in his travels stops by um, the home of Mary and Martha. And I forget which is which. I think Mary is sitting on the floor. Yeah, Mary sits on the floor. Yeah. So Mary sits on the floor and is ingesting Jesus's message, which must have been, I mean, I can't even imagine being in his actual presence. Be crazy. Um, So she is there taking in the lesson. And then Martha is scurrying around the kitchen, making sure everyone's okay. I was presented that sermon so many times from pulpit, from men, and sometimes from women, saying the message of that was, women, don't miss it. Don't be a big, dumb idiot. Don't be scurrying around the kitchen when you're supposed to be listening to Jesus. Yeah. And it in, has you heard it framed that way too? Oh, that, I've only heard it like that. Oh, and it was, my gosh. And it was used against me so much when I was younger. Oh, my gosh. That is so infuriating. So, y'all, listen, that is not the motherfucking story at all. The what's, story, what's the story? I don't I honestly haven't read it. So what is the story? I mean, the story is that 
in that era, women weren't allowed to sit down and ingest a message. Women weren't allowed to not be scurrying around the kitchen, taking care of everything, making sure to serve the men, making sure everything was in its proper order. When Jesus said, Martha, sit down, he wasn't chastising her. He was giving her permission. He was saying, yeah, I know you've never been given the respect of being allowed to sit down and actually enjoy a teaching. I know you're illiterate and you're not allowed to do X, Y, Z and your property of these people. Like now I'm, you know, taking my own spin on the story at this point, but you know, like the way I see it, that was not a chastisement of your missing out. That was an invitation. That was Jesus saying, I know you've been given the script and you feel like you have to do all of these feminine things and no one else is giving you this permission. I, Jesus, am giving you this, this permission. Sit mm. down. Wow. Enjoy this with us. I, yeah, I've literally never heard it that way. Like <clears throat> it literally ever until now. Like, and I've always, I've, I guess it's always lived in my head or in my body of the other way of being like, you're, yeah. you're being a busy body and like, you're not, <laughs> you're not paying attention and you're just like soaking up like too much attention in your own way, like that sort of like energy. Mm -hmm. And, and like, so the message was more like, be calm, be quiet, sit down, behave like that sort of (laughs) message. So interesting. Yeah. That's, that's mind blowing to me. And honestly, you know, you can, you can disagree with me and be like, no, it's a chastisement, but like I, what I do, and this is what makes me a Christian getting back to your original question, Lauren, like I love Jesus. Jesus resonates with me. His real name, Yeshua, every time I say it, every every piece of me tingles. Like mm-hmm. I feel it in my heart and my soul. And when I get into reading the scripture now, like I love the Bible as a progressive Christian way more than I ever, ever loved it in my entire life. Totally. Um, when we talk about freedom in Christ, I have that freedom in Christ now. I feel it in, in my bones, which by the way, comes with a lot. You know, when you're taking up your cross, you're taking up your cross by like, opening your home to people, like welcoming in the sick and weary, being willing to give your tax dollars to people that need it more than you, being willing to advocate for all of the people that Jesus advocated for. Taking up your cross isn't about this militant, you know, restraint that you have according to your gender and your sexuality. That is not freedom in Christ. And that's not what Christianity is about. Christianity is about the marginalized, about seeing everyone as one Mm. and, and the least will be the greatest. Like how often do we miss that in our patriarchal, you know, capitalistic society in America? Yeah. So that message came to me when I was reading the Bible on my own. I, that was the first time I was just like in prayer and meditation. I read the Bible verse. I just like stumbled into it myself. And I was like, why did they tell me the story that way? Mm. Because when I read it with the freedom of Christ, Mm -hmm. the freedom of like knowing how deeply and profoundly God actually loves me, regardless of my gender, I read that scripture for the first time as I believe it was actually intended, which is you were given this script. You are told you have to do all of these things, but actually you're welcome to come here. You're welcome to sit down. And I I bet you anything, the men in the room were furious. Mm. I bet the men in the room were like, wow, he's letting her sit down. Like we need our pizza rolls. Where is she? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think that's, I think that's beautiful. I think being able to re- reread and reanalyze and re-experience a lot of the uh, Christian faith or or the Bible. I think that's a lot of what now progressive Christians are experiencing. It's just being able to take off of the take off the um, the theme like this story and like it's very specific this story of Martha and Mary um, of how it was once portrayed and and rereading it in with the with a different narrative. Um, and, and I love that. And to be clear that this person bringing you up was, we were just like speaking your praises and there's no one else that I think is more in the trenches and taking up their cross than you, Brenda, because Mm. you stand so much. And I, I I don't want to say on the line or in the middle or anything like that, but you are equally speaking to conservatives, to progressives, to atheists, to 
to, I mean, I go into the comments of your YouTube videos and there's, you have the most varied community of all of the platforms that I've ever seen in deconstruction, spiritual evolution, kind of um, this, this, you know, community that has now built and grown and evolved. Um, but you definitely have the most varied. And um, so there's just truly no one else that I, I would stand behind in the sense of you truly are like in the trenches more than anyone else. And I always look up to you and admire you so much. Oh, thank you so much. It's so meaningful because that's really always, that's been my heart since I was young. Like when I was doing this in the completely different way, like doing anti-abortion artwork and arguing with my biology teacher for a six day earth and all of these (laughs) things, like I had the same passion. Like I was, I always love the scriptures about Jesus hanging out with the quote sinners because I was really just interested in bringing everyone into the fold and not alienating anyone. And I feel so intensely blessed that this thing that I've built totally coinciding with God, like I do everything in prayer, everything I think of. I mean, I'm sure not that not saying I'm perfect by any means, but like I try my best to be diligent with that. And it's, it's beautiful to see it's still formed into exactly what I always hoped that it would, which is like this ultimately inclusive space And so many people will say, well, that's proof that I'm not a Christian. And I'm like, just because atheists are like feeling loved at my channel, listening to me talk about Jesus doesn't mean I'm an atheist. Like it just means they don't feel hated in my presence, which if I'm not mistaken is the way we're supposed to be. Literally. Yeah. I believe that's who Jesus was. Um, And speaking of the things that you've built and you've created, um, there's, the, one of the last things I do want to touch on is going back to your book um, on her knees, which um, why don't you kind of give yourself a little shout out how people can get a hold of that and learn more about it and kind of get uh, to know you and your work more. Yeah. So on her knees releases on April 6th and you can pre-order it now. Pre-orders really can change an author's life. So if anyone is interested like that, that would be wonderful. It's on Amazon and Barnes and Noble currently. Um, And it's really, I am so, so excited to say that I really wrote it as like, it's not only an anti-purity culture book, but it really, I spent time weaving my narrative story and my truth, like this 10 years that I spent in LA exploring spirituality, sexuality, drugs, like all these different sorts of things are woven in there, but also with the concepts that I was given and the lies that I was told and the things, the the anxieties that I had, all of these things that purity culture, modesty culture, and evangelicalism in general had really done to like make me go astray, to be real, like just not really being in my own skin as as a Christian in, in my freedom. So I always, I just kept being like, oh, I just want it to be like the antithesis of of a purity culture book. And I want to invite people into a fully integrated sexual ethic because I am anti-purity culture, but to me, the opposite of that is hookup culture. And I'm also anti-hookup culture and um, because I'm about sexual integrity. So no matter whether, like what kind of sexual activity you're choosing, you're doing it with integrity. So my book is teaching you how to integrate, how to live in integrity and how to really see and explore your sexuality in a healthy way. And, um, and your spirituality as well, because I talked to Linda K. Klein about this, but something we really resonated on is that we both had this idea of like making God stand outside of the bedroom when we had sex. Cause Mm. it was like this sinful thing, but when you're not fully integrated in sex, you're not advocating for yourself. You might not know your worth, like all of these different things. So my integration and my holistic journey back to health and and spiritual freedom really came with saying, okay, God, get in here. Maybe Mm. I'm going to sin. Maybe I'm not doing this perfectly, but I want you in here because I need my full self in this experience. And um, so my book, I hope, teaches everyone to do that. And the most exciting thing that I haven't announced yet is that Joshua freaking Harris wrote the foreword for oh, it. Oh, that's, that's amazing. So exciting. <laughs> that's so cool. How cheeky. I love that. 
I know. Thank you. It was so, it was so divine. I made him a video and I was all nervous because I was like, oh my gosh, there would just be nothing more perfect than having this guy who just <laughs> destroyed my sexuality and like millions of other people with his book, I Kissed Dating Goodbye to, he already denounced his book. So yeah. to have his right. stamp of approval on mine just meant so much to me. And the forward is just so beautiful. He, he wrote it as, um, it's like the prodigal son journey, but it's a beautiful blonde girl living in LA. And I'm just like, yeah, oh, that's pretty that's much great. what it is. <laughs> I love that so much. Wow. Wow. That yeah. is so, that is so cool. Well, I am so excited to read it. I mean, between like the way you speak and write and your humor and mm-hmm. wisdom and just all the little cheeky things, even, even the title, like on her knees is just like cheeky in and of itself. I think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I like, I'm like, I see you, Brenda. I see you. Um, and I love it. And so I hope everyone that you're, whoever's listening, whoever is hearing this, I just, I hope you go pre-order her book. Um, yes. As she said, it can really change an author's life. It really is so important. Um, let's, let's make it to where she, uh, not only makes, uh, the, her rent at the end of the month, but that she has like triple and quadruple the rent that she needs at the, the month that Ugh. the month that her book comes out, just like, let's just make it happen. Um, because it really, it really is just so important to, to support. So, um, yes, Brenda, thank you so much for speaking with us today and just being your authentic, honest, and very inspiring self. Mm, Thank you. I love you both so much. (laughs) So inspiring to talk to you. Yeah. (laughs) Well, guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, Order the book. And until next time, bye. 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 Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey everyone, want to take a quick moment to say thank you for listening. If you like what you're hearing, please share this episode and rate and review the podcast as it helps others find this online community. Thanks so much. Now back to the episode.